Church family, uh, once again, we want to wish you, uh, uh, to all our moms there, happy Mother's Day. Uh, when I heard Wade talk about the video, he said, if you didn't send the picture in, you know, it's not on there. I didn't get the memo, Mama. So, Mama, happy Mother's Day. Kelly, I didn't get the memo. Please forgive me uh, for that. Um, church family, this um, is an unprecedented uh, day in which we live in the sense that your pastor's firm conviction is that we are living in the last moments before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so many converging signs being fulfilled from Old Testament prophecies and the teachings of Christ in the Gospels. Uh, and at the same time, with our eyes towards heaven, we have going at, concurrently our children's school, Mother's Days, birthdays, Father's Day, things of that nature. So it seems like it's kind of a balancing act, especially now uh, as a pastor preaching to empty congregations and, and trying to focus in on the faces and the hearts of those that receive this word. But I do have a, a sobering word this morning, a strong word, but it's, it's, it's a necessary word. And if it's received with meekness and if it's being lived out today, it brings with it a deep, calm strength for moms and fathers alike. So this message is not exclusively for mothers, but I want to emphasize uh, their role today. Turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. Luke 17. beginning with verse 20. And when Jesus was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said unto the disciples, The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you shall not see it. And they shall say to you, See here, or see there, but don't go after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning that the lighteth out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so also shall the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. That was the crucifixion, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. The people did eat, drink, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Just, just think of this, and destroyed them all. Except for the eight on the ark, God's judgment destroyed all who were not under the one plan of salvation the ark provided for their deliverance. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat and drink and bought and sold, planted and builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. There's the phrase again, and destroyed them all. Even so shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he, shall, he which shall be upon the house stop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that's in the field, let him likewise not return back. And my primary text, verse 32, remember Lot's wife. 
For whosoever shall seek to save his own life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Remember Lot's wife. There are many female characters in the Word of God that were heralded for their faith. Um, As a matter of fact, as many if not more found throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, women who saw the Lord, women who sought the Lord, women who loved the Lord, who worshiped the Lord, who were grateful to the Lord, who esteemed the Lord, who enjoyed his presence. And then there's an Old Testament type of a woman or a mother or a wife, someone's daughter, who was so insignificant in eternal realities that her name was not even mentioned. Just Lot's wife. Remember her. So to remember her, we must study her. And for Jesus to put that phrase, don't forget about Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. In the context of the day of the Lord, the day of wrath, the day of judgment. And just so we're all clear, I want to continue to tell you that the day of the Lord in the Old Testament had no mention of the rapture of the church. That was a mystery revealed to Paul himself, and he taught it in the New Testament. But the day of the Lord was a time of great wrath, of great suffering, of God's judgment being poured out, a time of Jacob's trouble. And in the New Testament, when the rapture was revealed for the Lord, the catching away of the church, the glorification of those that had died in Christ, as well as those which were alive and remain, transfigured and changed, meeting the Lord in the air, we then understand that the day of the Lord is divided into two parts. The return of the Lord for his church, the Lord coming for his church, and then the Lord coming with his church to judge the world. So in that context, in that being aware, being ready, being uh, fervent in our faith, in our profession, as Wade says, let there not be in any of us an evil heart of unbelief, but as we see the day approaching, be more sober, Christ himself said, and don't forget about Lot's wife. So would you pray for me this morning as I pray for myself that God would anoint my words and that I would have clarity of thought and not be distracted by an empty building, but to preach as the, let my tongue be like the, uh, the tongue of the learned and like the, uh, the pen of a ready writer. So, Father, I just humble myself before you. And I ask, oh God, today that you would use me with this message you've laid upon my heart. I'm not looking to impress. I'm not looking to inspire. I'm looking, oh Lord, to break the bread of life this morning. Let us speak. Let me be an echo of your heart today as you are uh, preparing to come and get your bride. Let us not be drunk on this world. Let us not be like the child sitting in the floor playing with bubble wrap while the gift is sitting there unappreciated. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. Let us study this morning, Lord, Lot's wife, and make sure that we do the opposite. In Jesus' name, amen. Much is said, and rightfully so, about the role of a father in the home. The father is the spiritual covering, the, uh, like an under-shepherd, if you will. Christ is the covering, but he is the spiritual head of the home, which many jump on the authority side of that, but it means that he answers first to God. That's what it means. 
when Sarah talked Abraham into sinning because they couldn't have a child. And she brought in Hagar and said, uh, lie with my handmaid and give us a child. When Ishmael was born, they all realized that that was not God's plan. She said, my wrong be upon you because you're, you're responsible. You're responsible. And yes, the man is. But in some homes, there is no man. In other homes, there's a man that's not responsible. It's not a covering. And the role of a man is imperative. But in my experience, I have seen families make it where the man didn't follow God. But it's very rare that you'll see a family that makes it where the woman turns her back upon God. So we're going to study this morning. We're, we're going to be... We're going to make sure that our lives, especially our moms, uh, how, that you're so aware how pivotal and critical and necessary it is for you to live out your faith in front of us. I've got a sister of mine sitting on the second row here this morning whose mom was that way, just a, a, an influencer, a standout, a, uh, a bulwark of faith and how it, it, it completes the family. So let's dig in and let's look at this woman and find the things in our life that are right, find the things that are wrong, and those that are just headed in the wrong direction. You'll find some commonalities uh, as well, and let's make sure that uh, we don't err on the side that Lot's wife did. The first thing I want to do is talk about her environment. Her environment. She was raised a pagan. She, along with her husband Lot and Abram, when God called Abram, they called him out of the land of the Ur of the Chaldeans, and it was a ritualistic, hedonistic, uh, bloodthirsty, uh, godless religion. And what that tells me is that there is no excuse, because if someone like that can make it out, if someone can lead... Uh, leave if someone can make a change you know there's someone in this world that was dealt the deck of cards that you were and they built a life out of it if someone's been free from what holds you captive in Christ there's that example laid before you and this woman had a difficult past but God intervened in her life and Abram uh, was visited by God and that influence reached her through Lot and God's seed God's truth is greater than environment. But we need to be aware that although we can't escape the environment of the world, we don't have to make our home in the worst of the world. We don't have to be exposed to. She was a person that was nomadic. She had a lot of change. And there are moms that have just longed for stability and security, but the husband's work, whether it's military or other, has moved them over and over. And they, you know, women have a, a, a security gene. They just want to know that this is home. They, that's why they call it nesting. They want to be settled. And this woman never really got to settle. She traveled with Abram and uh, Sarah and Lot until, of course, later on when they separated. We'll get to that in just a moment. But the key part for her, when I speak of environment, is her husband. And I want to speak to the young girls this morning that, that aren't married. Um, 
there's not a greater decision outside of finding Christ as Lord, as picking your spouse. Um, many young girls, and now as you get older, you look back and you watch, they, they marry for love with the idea that they're going to change that person. But if the Holy Spirit hasn't changed them up to a, spurt, a point in time, you're going to be powerless to do so. Beauty fades. Strength wanes. Money flees. But a godly man, who can find? Lot was in the end saved. But he was no catch. To the single girls that are under the sound of my voice. Don't settle for anyone that does not love Jesus passionately. And he is at the forefront of their life. It's one thing. It's hard enough to follow God and a man in this world. But when you're trying to follow God and drag the husband, that's another thing. Her husband was a covetous man. And the Bible, t I know that because he was walking with the father of all who believe. There was a understanding in the land that Abram had met God. He had given tithes unto Melchizedek, a man with no origin, the Bible says. We don't know if that was a, a theophany of the Lord Jesus or just the king, uh, the uh, priest of Salem, king of Salem. But everyone knew that Abram knew God. And that, since there was no word of God and there was no Holy Spirit inside of people, she got to witness righteousness happening in and on his countenance. And everything he touched was blessed. And word got out about Abram. He was one of the most influential, wealthy men of his generation. And because they were so blessed in their journeying, See, you're, most people are blessed in their settling. When a man's business could expand, his, his animals, his livestock, his, his riches, his trade. But as you travel, it's hard to do that. But God had so blessed Abram, and that blessing flowed from Abram to them, that there wasn't enough pasture and water for all of their livestock. And Lot decided to separate from Abram for financial gain. I've witnessed men move their families out of a Christ-centered church to take a promotion. And I'll ask them, I say, well, have you found a church there? They say, oh, no, not yet. We'll find one. And I've seen other men say, before I even entertain the offer, let's take our vacation days. Let's go look in the city. Let's see if the Lord has this for us. Her husband, in the end, treasured earthly riches more than heaven's riches. And it showed up in his family. He was a carnal man who was willing to grieve his soul every day when they moved into Sodom. See, first of all, when, when Lot, uh, when they came up with the idea to separate, uh, he should have said, no, whatever it takes, you can have. Let's sell off my cattle. I just want to be with you. I don't want to be separated from you or the God you serve. But no, he, he wanted, he couldn't lose a dollar. So he 
decided to move. And the Bible said he looked upon the land of Sodom and he chose for himself that phrase. Listen, listen to your pastor this morning. He chose for himself, not for his God, not for his wife, and not for his babies. Don't miss the subtle, powerful statement. He chose for himself the land of Sodom that was like the Garden of Eden. They first pitched their tents toward Sodom. Then they moved toward Sodom. And then they moved in to Sodom. He was a compromising man. He was a duplicitous man. He was a cowardly man. He was a man that gave no covering to his family. He was successful in the world's eyes. But he was spiritually dull. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that Lot lived in Sodom. And his righteous soul was grieved, vexed every day. So it says that he knew of Abram's God. He interacted. He prayed. But he was willing to vex his own soul and compromise his character and forfeit his influence to be successful in the world's eyes. And how many men under the guise of providing for my family choose for themselves? Part of Lot's wife's problem was the husband. Say, Brother John, that's, that's pretty strong. Well, the older you get and you look back in your life, you can point to your mistakes. And you go, this is one I made. This rela-, and the, It's almost always relationships. This friend, this employer, this pastor, uh, this voice in my life. This man eventually lost his influence with his family and would rather bargain with God than obey him. There came a day when the cry of Sodom was so great. Let me give you just a brief history and or reminder. The cry of Sodom was so great that God sent two angels to warn Lot and his wife that God was going to wipe out the whole city. It was rampant with sexual immorality, perversion, violence. Homosexuality was uh, not just the norm, but the celebrated preference. So much so that when these angels... And the appearance of men came into town. They came and started beating on the door of Lot's house, saying, bring out these men that have come into you that we might know them, which means have sex with them. The same Hebrew words, uh, the same word uh, where uh, Adam knew his wife Eve and they brought forth Cain and Abel. That meant they had sex together and created a life Uh, The the sex act, though, was new. He knew his wife. It said that these the men, it says all of the men of the city surrounded this house and were demanding that these men uh, be given over to them. Now, listen, this is this is strong stuff this morning. Uh, In their culture, how you treated your guest was paramount to the integrity of a man. It was top tier. Lot was so influenced by his culture that he made the statement to this crowd. I don't know if it's through the door or uh, through a closed door, but he said, do not do this horrible thing. So he knew that was horrible. Take instead my virgin daughters 
and do with them as you will. She heard that. Her children heard that. Here is a man who is willing to sacrifice his children on the basis of cultural norms. And it is happening all over today and in the church. Let's talk just a moment about her heart as we remember Lot's wife. Because she now lived in Sodom, her heart had become saturated and desensitized. It's funny how people, even Christians, will literally park their family in a Sodom environment and not expect the children to become Sodomites or not expect the wife to be effective. Our televisions cannot preach to our family all day and all night and it not have sway over them. The music we listen to cannot be taken through the ear gate and not change the way we view things. Her heart had become saturated and desensitized. In the same way pornography desensitizes a man to the touch of his wife and he must have more and more graphic things to stimulate or to arouse him physically. So it is in the world when you are saturated with the things that they believe, their values, their uh, excessive immoralities, their pleasures, what's va- all of those things. When the world comes in without any filter, it does a number on the heart of the person. And Lot moved his family into Sodom. And in just a moment, I'm going to get to her words, but where's the, where's the put the foot down? Women know how to do that. I've read that. I've read that they know how, how to do that. Where's the, I don't care what you do, me and my babies are getting out of here. There's a window that closes when the heart starts to atrophy. That sometimes it seems people wait till the point of no return before they acknowledge that this environment has done a number on my heart. Because of her separation from godly influences, her heart withers. Sodom saturated and desensitized her heart, but the separation from Abraham and Sarah took from her life the only godly influences that she had. I can't stress to you enough how, and I thank the Lord, I'm grateful for our tech team, our worship team, and all that help put this uh, out through the airwaves, but that's just teaching. That's just preaching. But the interaction of men as friends, as wives together, as sisters in the Lord and brothers in the Lord, and our kids having interaction where we speak the same language, where we have the same priorities, where we repent of the same sins, where we encourage one another, provoke one another unto good works, where we challenge one another to be greater, to be more, to be better, For the Lord, not to be accepted by him, but because we are accepted by him. 
You take those influences out of a person's life. People say, I just get my church at home. No, you don't. You can get a sermon at home. But the the body of Christ is a body. And we share the the life substance like a, a tree. Sap runs through the tree to all the limbs. Christ, his life pours through us to other believers. And the Bible says we fit jointly together. I receive life from you. I receive encouragement from you. I receive strength from you. Correction, admonition. And then I give the same to others. Lot was willing to take his wife away from the only believer in Yahweh that he knew. For profit. Because of the persistent flow of ungodliness around her, her heart had grown cold. You can't see it every day and not become indifferent. The Bible says that because iniquity abounds, the love of many will grow cold. And because of her own sinfulness, her heart had grown hard and unfeeling. Because she had tuned into the frequency of this world, her heart had become deaf and unable to hear God's voice and no longer desire it. I want to ask the moms that are watching this morning. How is your heart really? Is it tender towards the Lord? Is it long for His appearing? Do you find comfort and strength in the Word of God? Are your best friends or your inner circle godly women? Or are you coming to a slow boil and dying in a cauldron of satanic deception? Knowing God at a distance, holding the truth in unrighteousness, running headlong into a day of destruction and judgment. Number three, I want to talk to you as we remember her life. I want to speak of her silence. No mention of her personal faith in the God they were following. All those years. Now, I'm not saying specifically that because it doesn't mention her faith that she had none But I will mention that there was no mention of her faith. Abram's faith. Lot's faith. But not her own. No mention of her gratitude to the invisible God for the great temporal blessings that God had bestowed upon them. They left absolutely with nothing and God had prospered them and somehow Lot got the credit or it was a great move and the things that we did. But no, notice her silence. It wasn't that she didn't talk. It's that she did not talk of God. It wasn't that she wasn't grateful. It's that she was, there's no record of her being grateful to God and pointing their blessings as something that came from his hand. No mention of her pleading with her husband for them to stay connected with Abraham. No mention of her crying out against the wickedness around her. No mention of her listening to or dialoguing with the angels God had sent to her family. No mention of her heeding the warnings of God's judgment or any record of her begging those she loved and knew to flee the wrath to come. No wonder that her daughters thought nothing of incest later. They were raised by a mother and father with seemingly no moral compass. So get the scene. God has sent the angels 
to Sodom and Gomorrah. And the angels uh, are there. The men of the city come try to take them, to rape them in the streets. Lot offers his little girls. Well, they're not little, but, you know, they're always your little girls. Offers his girls to them. And they said, who made you a judge over us? You come to this town as a sojourner, and now you think you're over us? And they went in to take the men by force, and the angels blinded them. And I'm paraphrasing here, but the angels told uh, Lot and his wife, nameless, get out now, come on. And Lot went and told his uh, son-in-laws, and they were to him like somebody that was joking. Because you can't turn on godliness in the last moment and expect people to believe that you're godly. But there's no mention of her. You know, you break into a man's house. He's looking for the gun or the baseball bat or the machete. If a woman hears a noise, she goes and gets her children. No mention of her grabbing her girl's arms. And I'm not beating up on her. I'm trying to learn my own lessons. Mamas, isn't there something wrong there? Isn't there something like, Lot, let's go! Silence. I don't know if it's that she didn't believe. I think it had more to do with leaving this world that was her world. She she loved the world behind her more than the idea of the life that God had planned for her. On their way out, the son-in-laws didn't come. It was just uh, Lot and his wife and the two daughters. And God had told them through the angels. Uh, Brooke, if you would come, he said, he told the angels, he said, now don't, don't look back. It's, it sounds like a strange request. Because if God gives you, uh, Lance, if he gives you victory over your enemies, there's no other place where he said, David, don't look at the enemies. Don't look at Goliath. Don't look at the uh, Egyptians floating in the Red Sea. But in this instance, he said, don't look back. And on their way out, here's Lot again, her husband. God said, I'm going to destroy this city, flee into the mountains. He said, can't we just go to this other little city? Here's a man that would rather bargain with God on the level of judgment instead of fleeing the wrath to come. But even if he didn't do anything, you think she would be the one that takes the children by the hand. She would be the one. In almost every home I know, it would be the wife. It would be the mother that says, you can have everything else. Get my babies out of here and take them by the hand. And it it wasn't the case for her. And as they were running, with God's warning in their ear, don't look back. Lot's wife turned. She could see the fire coming from heaven. She could see... The, the brimstone. She could feel the heat. And the idea of giving up this world. See, the look back didn't kill her. It revealed the death that was already in her. 
And when she looked back, she became a pillar of salt. Just many scholars believe that it just evaporated her, melted her. God's wrath and God's anger. Well, Brother John, this is the most uplifting Mother's Day message I've ever heard. No, it's not uplifting, but it's necessary. Because our kids aren't making it. Because of carnal dads and silent mothers. And for those moms and dads that are courageous, that are men and women of character who who lift their voice. All I can do for my children, and I've set my face like a flint, that there would be no confusion. Whatever the Lord says, thus saith God, that is what we do. If he says leave, we leave. If he says stay, we stay. If he says don't look back, don't look back. If he tells us that if we save our life, we'll lose it. And we lose it, we'll find it. Then we want to make sure that he has our heart. That our life is in him. She was destroyed because she looked back. She looked back in unbelief because she didn't believe God would judge her. She looked back reflexively because her life was there. Her heart was there. Her soul was there. Her mind, her pleasure, her desires. She looked back defiantly, ignoring God's command. She looked back longingly. And she looked back away from the salvation that God had provided, leaving nothing else but wrath. She was destroyed instantaneously, without remedy. And this is what I want to draw out before we close this morning. She was in the path of salvation. She was a few steps away from being free of judgment. She died en route to God's deliverance. And because of Lot's choices, Lot's leading, and her silence... Her kids grew up in such immorality and perversion that they thought in this judgment, they didn't even know the details. A lot of them never communicated the details. They thought the world was being destroyed. There'd be no men left. So they got their father drunk and had sex with him so that they could carry on their lineage. If we would just think that our Lack of clarity today in spiritual things will lead to confusion in our children tomorrow. But she couldn't say anything now because the opportunity to speak has passed because she was destroyed. And finally, she was destroyed as others in her family were spared and saved. Lot's wife is not just a warning to women and mothers, but to us all. Mamas, we need you to know the Lord. We need you to know his voice. We need you to speak clearly what he tells you to us. We need to, whether daddy does it or not, we need you to live in front of us. We need to feel your hands on our wrist and your face like a flint. To flee the wrath to come in this world. We need to see you looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. We don't need a contemporary mother. We need a godly mother. 
We need a mother that doesn't love this world nor the things that are in this world who finds her beauty in the countenance of the king, not through outer adornment. We want you to be uniquely you, but we want you to be what we need to. Don't, don't, don't take the journey out and not finish the race. If daddy's trying to lead, but he struggles, walk beside him. Be his encouragement. Love him. Support him. But if he won't lead, take the reins. and Lead your family. God gave us a warning. As it was in the days of Noah, which means very few will be saved. And as it was in the days of Lot, which implies to me that many mothers will die right close to the finish line. I pray today for you. I want to encourage you that it is not too late to get your voice back, to get your song back, to get your joy back, to be, uh, to stop being directionless. And for those of you that are living this life fully, we applaud you. We're grateful for you. We desperately need you. God's wrath is coming to this world and it will be fierce. This wrath will come upon the whole world. No nation or person will be exempt. It will be all-consuming, absolute, with no escape. But God has provided a way of escape. God has given us the opportunity and the avenue to flee the wrath to come. Our angel of deliverance is Jesus. Our path is Jesus. Our ark is Jesus. Our sacrifice is Jesus. Our gospel is Jesus. Our Redeemer is Jesus. Our Lamb is Jesus. Our brazen serpent lifted in the wilderness is Jesus. Our atonement is Jesus. Our sin offering is Jesus. Our scapegoat is Jesus. Our mediator between God and man is Jesus. That's why we are not like those that look back. And Mama, you are not one to look back. But our eyes are fastened upon Him, the author and finish of our faith. This world is already judged. It just hasn't happened yet. And there is no, no remedy. But if we try to keep our life, we'll lose it. But if we lose our life in God, we will find it. So lift up your eyes into heaven. Our redemption draweth nigh. Lead on, Mama. Lead on, Papa. Show us that this is not all there is. That there's a world to lose and a kingdom to come. What will we do if we can't follow you? What will we do if we can't follow you? I know I speak for myself and my wife. More flawed than probably everyone that's listening to this message. My babies will not be confused on which is the right way. So, Pastor John, sum up what you're telling us. I want you to think about Lot's wife and set your face to be the exact opposite. Would you bow your heads and your heart with me this morning? Search us, O Lord. See if there be any wicked way, any deceptive way, any cold or indifferent way. What part of the world has us under its spell, Lord, 
It's deception. What type of entertainment is lulling us to sleep or infecting the hearts and mind of our children? Lord, I pray that you would allow this to be a turning point. A day, if you should tarry, where there'll be women in their 20s and 30s, 40s and above, look back and say, that's the day I turned on my heels and stopped. That's the day. Lord, I don't judge Lot's wife this morning. I judge my own heart. Don't let me be a victim. Don't let us be a victim of our own foolishness and carnality. If we repent, won't you open our eyes again, O Lord? If we repent, O Lord, won't you give us the courage and the character to live upright? If we put all our eggs in your basket, will we not be not ashamed? I believe, O Lord, your judgment is coming. But I believe that Jesus has paid for mine. All our hopes in you, Lord. All our hopes in you. Church family, would you look this way just a moment before we close? Mamas, thank you for everything. First of all, uh, you know, it's always said that if it weren't for you, we wouldn't be here. That's everybody. Everybody. Thank you for the years the tears, the sandwiches, the cookies, the Kool-Aid, the strong words, the tender touches. Thank you that when we're sick, you know, daddy sleeps on, but you're up beside the bed laying on the floor beside us. Thank you for the night stories, the prayer for our souls and our teen years and our, our departings. Thank you for loving daddy. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for not dressing like the world or looking like them. Thank you for your individuality, your creativity, your goodness, your kindness. You taught us how to love. You taught us how to nurture. You taught us how to be kind, be kind one to another. You taught us his word. We can't think of family altar without thinking of you. You and Daddy are the shapers of our life. And for those of us who are now daddies and mamas, we want to thank you because you made the path so straight that there's no way we can miss it. Happy Mother's Day to you. Have a wonderful Lord's Day today. God bless you.